0: That the things that i tried were in my life just to get high on when i sit alone come get a little known but i need more than myself this time step from the road to the sea to the sky and i do believe it we rely on when i lay it on come get the play down on my life to sacrifice hello and welcome to season three of the let's talk wrestling podcast as always i'm your host kelby bachman and before we get started i'd like to ask for some help from you the listener so although I've been a part of the wrestling community for pretty much my entire existence, there are still some people out there I don't know or haven't heard of that deserve to have their story told. So this is where you come in. I would love to hear who you think would be a good guest for the podcast. If you or someone you know would be a good fit, please send me a message with their name, the best way to reach them, whether it's their phone number and email or social media, and maybe a little background info about them and I will do the rest. So one thing real quick to note As I hope you've noticed, I don't pick guests based on solely their wrestling credentials. I mean, sure, I enjoy highlighting those who have done a great deal on the mat, but I have just as much fun talking with people who have made an impact in other ways in the sport of wrestling. So if you have any ideas, um, hit me up on social media, and I will, like I said, take care of the rest. So with that being said, let's get on with the show. The song you just heard is Snow hey Oh." by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and it is also the walkout song for the next guest on the show, Tony Valick. So Tony is the head coach of Augsburg University, which is a D3 powerhouse in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He started as a grad assistant in 2012 before going to the staff full-time in 2015. Tony became the co-head coach in 2019 and assumed solo duties in 2022. He's helped lead the Augies to three national titles over his time, He's hoping to provide similar results this year. Tony is actually a graduate of Augsburg University and was a three-time All-American himself. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Coach Tony Valick. It was funny when I looked it up, I saw that you're from Belle Plaine. I'm like, is that Iowa? Because there's a Belle Plaine Iowa. and uh, No, Belle Plaine, Minnesota. So whereabouts is Belle Plaine? Yeah,
1: so Belle Plaine's about 45 minutes southwest of the Twin Cities. Um, Hmm. So it's like directly between um the twin cities in Mankato another big city in Minnesota so right on 169 we actually co-op for wrestling with Jordan the next community up on 169 so the only sport we co-op for while I was there is wrestling everything else was separate so kind of interesting like our big rival in football and baseball and everything else was Jordan, yet then on wrestling. And, and we were also probably the most successful team in the two communities, at least for the boys sports, um, was the wrestling program. So Scott West is what our wrestling club was, or wrestling team was then.
0: Oh, really? So it wasn't called like Bell Plaine or, or anything? It was called Scott West?
1: Yep. So we were Scott County and it was like Mm -hmm. the western side of Scott County. Yep. So that was somehow how it came to be um, in the 90s at some point was when they merged. So, um, yeah. So Belle Plaine and and Jordan and they're still going strong. You know, they didn't, they haven't been to the state tournament in a year or two, but they're still um, producing lots of guys. And we've had a fair amount of Scott West guys that go through our Augsburg wrestling room then (laughs) as well. Yeah. How far away are the two towns? Uh, Seven miles. So not too far. Yep. So Jordan's got the wrestling room. Um, mm-hmm. Bell Plain doesn't actually have a wrestling room. Um, so most of the practices and everything are over there, and they both kind of have their own youth and combined youth. So it's kind of interesting that way.
0: oh huh. And you so that happened, you said, in about the nineties. So yep. then they collabed, and it's the only sport, and you guys are actually rivals in other sports. That's funny. That's yeah, unique. for sure. Football was
1: breaking rights always you know, we had lots of smaller towns, so both both teams that both wrestlers had a lot of guys playing football from both communities so that was always big bragging rights who won the football game that
0: year so then when you guys got together to wrestling um were you able to kind of put that in the past or was there still a little tension there and did you just learn to kind of get over it
1: I think I think because of the success of the program everyone was pretty cool. I think yeah. you know we had a lot of wrestlers who played football. I would say we had less football players who wrestled if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um so I feel like everyone was pretty cool and what's interesting is It wasn't like one town dominated the lineup over the other, you know, during my whole time and my older brother's whole time. And even till today, you know, you'd probably have seven starters from Jordan and seven starters Mm -hmm. from Belle Plaine. So it wasn't like one team, one town was carrying it or anything that way. So, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah. So then when did you start getting involved in wrestling?
1: Yeah. So I started wrestling, I think in second grade. Um, so my older brother, Ryan, um, got into wrestling, you know, my dad and stuff never did. Ryan picked it up at some point. Um, and so he was, he was kind of a little bit of a late bloomer. He liked to lift a lot of weights and then got really into wrestling more like sophomore, junior year of high school. Um, so he had some success and was a couple time times state place winner in Minnesota and then went on to Augsburg. So he was five years older than I was. So I got involved with it um, basically because he was he was into it. And then the you know, the tradition at at Scott West, um, a guy by the name of Dan Zilverberg um kind of run ran like the club stuff. He wasn't actually the high school coach, but he had Sunday night practice year-round, no matter what. And then he kind of ran the freestyle and, and a little bit of Greco stuff as well. So he was a big part of my early wrestling career getting involved, um, was just getting that be with a high-level guy. He wrestled for the University of Minnesota. He was on some world teams. He was a few-time All-American for him. So um, he was kind of the mentor growing up as we got into high school wrestling.
0: And that that last name sounds familiar as well as someone who, um, so I'm I'm 31. And so right around that age, there was another Zilverberg right around I feel like he's right around my age. A little
1: yep. So, quarter. so Luke? Dan's son Luke was an All American for South Dakota State a few mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. Um, and then Dan's nephew David and Danny wrestled for the Gophers, and Danny was an All American for the Gophers. So, um, I believe Larry, Dan, and Pat all wrestled for the Gophers back in you know the 80s or something like that they're all superstars a lot of people if you look up lists of the best wrestlers to never win a national title i think larry zilverberg is unfortunately one of the top guys on that list um and dan actually could fall in it too so they they placed they had i don't know how between the three of them they placed like eight or nine times at d1s but they they couldn't get over that hump to win that national championship unfortunately but they certainly have helped a lot of guys uh since with being involved in wrestling that's for sure
0: Mm-hmm. So then would Luke have been or, or um, the other two around your age as well?
1: Yep. So, uh, David Zilverberg and Danny, who would have been his nephews wrestled in Minnesota for Wyzetta. So they weren't part of our program. Um, Mm -hmm. but David was my age and Danny was a couple of years younger than Luke and Tyler, which were Dan's kids. Tyler was, I think four years younger than me. And Luke was like six or seven. So he was like a sixth, seventh grader, but they were always terrorizing in the wrestling room when they were little tykes while he was coaching, you know, my dad and other dads got roped into watching those kids while Dan what worked with us on the wrestling mat so definitely you know family friends from growing up from a young age with those boys
0: yeah did and, you
1: did you sorry go ahead well and then Luke now still helps out in the South Dakota State room a little bit he's back in the Brookings area there um and so I, I'm not I don't know if he's with the Jackrabbits wrestling club or if he's actually with the staff but he still is in the room and around the program quite a bit helping out
0: wow nice um yeah what tradition there the silver sure. it's pretty easy name to remember for um, sure but uh did did you take to wrestling right away or were there some times where you, you maybe stepped away and came back or yeah you know?
1: I pretty much wrestled the whole time, but I was big, you know, a small town. I played football. Um, I'd call that casually, but then I was really into baseball as well. You know, I I probably put as much time up until high school playing, traveling baseball in the summer and spring baseball. So I did a ton of that. You know, there was a time in my life, I think that people weren't sure whether I'd want to wrestle or play baseball in college. Um, You know, I think around probably my freshman, sophomore year of high school, I gravitated even more towards wrestling, you know, the success of our team. And then I just loved the idea in wrestling that you kind of got to control your own fate. You know, in baseball, obviously you play a component of it, but um, the pitcher and the eight other guys are just as impactful. Whereas in wrestling, I got to make the mistake or make the, you know, the big move to win the match. So I think that probably attracted me that direction. But I did play all three sports all through high school.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, did you... Um, was baseball kind of the first one that you, that you loved and then just wrestling just sort of superseded it at some point, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, probably. You know, baseball is just fun to play, right? My, you know, playing yeah. catch with my dad, playing catch with, you know, the buddies I had, some buddies that didn't wrestle as well, so that was a way to stay connected to those guys. Um, you know, I remember lots of times going and playing a, you know, a Tuesday baseball game and then <laughs> hustling over for freestyle practice afterwards. Um, you know, so that that was certainly the combos and then at some point it became hard to balance both of those things at a high level and wrestling kind of took a little bit more of a precedence, at least, at least during the non-baseball season, you know, summer and fall and winter were wrestling and just spring was baseball at some point. So, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah. yeah. Were you good? um, You know, were you good competitive at at both sports or all three sports when you were growing up? Or um, did you kind of have to go through some growing pains, you know? I, I play, you know, on the football team, I,
1: I played a role, right? I feel like, you know, I was a good defender. Anybody who came at me was going down. The problem was they were going to fall forward for three or four yards. You know, I wasn't going to drive anybody backwards. You know, I wrestled 135 as a high school junior, 140 as a senior. So I, I you know, weighed 155 pounds playing <laughs> linebacker. It wasn't like I was too big. Um, baseball, I was better at, you know, I was really good defensively. You know, I'd put the ball on the ground every year. I probably got a little bit worse because kids could start actually fielding ground balls. I feel like (laughs) elementary, middle school, I never struck out. So I got on base a lot when you put the ball on the ground. Well, Mm -hmm. high school shortstops and third baseman can actually throw it across the diamond. So every year probably got a little more uh, regressed to the mean of being a little bit average. But uh, wrestling was definitely my most successful sport. That's for sure. My senior year of football, I actually tore my ACL um, in a game. So that kind of actually impacted the beginning of my wrestling season and stuff that year then too so that was the end of my football career was um, a non-contact ACL tear my senior year so
0: dang okay Um, I'm curious about that but um, before I get there um, going throughout the ranks of like AAU and stuff did you have success in wrestling Um, you know were you were you winning right away or did it take some time to adjust yeah. Good question. You know, I, I was having success. I always was getting second or
1: third at tournaments. I feel like the, there were some guys, Travis Rutt was a guy in the area oh, yes. who wrestled yeah. for Wisconsin and then Oklahoma that I feel like I wrestled every weekend, no matter what, and I always got beat <laughs> by no matter what. Right. Or, um, Torrey Stewart was another guy. So I feel like, you know, I was placing at the middle school youth state tournament stuff. Um, you know, again, Scott West had a strong tradition, so I didn't make our varsity lineup like as an eighth grader. Um, so in Minnesota, we have a ninth grade league. So I actually got to wrestle in that because I was in varsity and I won ninth grade state as an eighth grader. So I feel like that was kind of put me on the map a little bit that I was gonna be um successful. So then my freshman year of high school, I qualified for the state tournament, but lost in double overtime. And at that point, if that guy got beat, it was one and done. So I was out, and then wow. I got third as a third as a Um, sophomore. I won state as a junior. And then again, another kind of crazy uh, injury thing. My senior year, I dislocated my elbow the night before the state tournament. So I didn't actually wrestle in the individual portion of it. So I feel like right around ninth, eighth, ninth grade was where I kind of took a stride where I was going to be state relevant. I wasn't, I don't know if people thought I was going to win a state title, but I was certainly going to be in the mix for it. Wow.
0: Dang. So some injury woes your senior
1: year. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So my senior year in football, I tore my ACL um, in the second game of the year, basically consulted, used Dan Zoverberg's connections for University of Minnesota people, doctors, and my Augsburg connections from my older brother having went there, and uh, ended up having a surgeon who said he could get me back. So I got, I had surgery three months uh, and 15 days later, I actually competed at the Clash not sure about that timeline nowadays, if that was the best thing for me, but, uh, I didn't actually have too many issues with that knee during the rest of my career. So I guess why not? So yeah, three months and 15 days later, I came back at the clash that's in, you know, mid January, um, big high school team tournament. And then I don't know probably had about 20 matches. Uh, uh, and then literally, yeah, night before the state tournament, we're in team state and individual state. We went, uh, three-minute live match 1-1-1 and a guy tried to lat drop me and my arm posted and my my elbow popped so um that was crummy, obviously right Uh, looking to defend the state title but um what ended up actually happened in minnesota at that point the individual tournaments and the team tournaments were overlapped so the first Wednesday was supposed to be the first round of individual state. So I basically had a medical forfeit out of that match. I didn't start it. Thursday was first round of team and individual. So I didn't wrestle in the quarterfinals. But then on the next day, so two days after my elbow dislocation, I actually wrestled in the state team semifinals. Um, and we we lost, but I did win my match. And I wrestled one more time for third. I decided what the heck, if I was going to do it, why not? So I wrestled a couple matches a few days later, but I didn't wrestle in the Individual
0: portions. So, wow, were you pushing to wrestle or was it just like basically impossible to wrestle at individual state?
1: Yeah, it was just such. So, I actually went and saw like a specialist right after that morning before we traveled. I didn't even know what my weight was, right? Like, I went in an ambulance to the hospital. They thought maybe I broke it. They had me hooked up to an IV and we got to the state tournament. And literally I checked my weight and I was on weight. And so I asked coach, uh, Gerald Stoffinger was the coach and I was like, Hey, um, if, are you going to weigh anybody else in for the team or can I just go with the guys? And he said, I could. And in the tunnel, the lead doctor for the state tournament was BJ Anderson, who's still heavily involved in wrestling in Augsburg. Um, he's always up at Fargo and all kinds of different tournaments. And he had, he's like, Oh, you want to brace this up? I'll clear you. And so all of a sudden the wheels started turning like, wow, a doctor will clear me to wrestle. And um, so I got braced up and I tried to warm up for that night match. And I just, I was so I couldn't put any weight on it. I I I didn't want to go out in the individual portion and wrestle with one arm if I didn't think that was going to be successful. Um, and we're a team. I feel like the guy who wrestled in the quarters I remember got beat, and I was like, "I'm wrestling in the semis. We're not doing that again." Like, I, and so I feel like a couple more days certainly helped, and just the motivation of doing it for your teammates was, you know, extra motivation for me. So,
0: yeah, that had to be pretty. Pretty heartbreaking, you know. I mean, as a senior, especially the night before. I mean, yeah. How de- depleted were you mentally? I mean, heck, you went out and wrestled a couple days later. Yeah, yeah. I think,
1: I think that's the nice part of that's the great part about being a, at a place where a team is a, a huge component of it is. You know, I was more heartbroken that I wasn't gonna be able to do it for those guys um than anything else. I also think it teaches the lesson. Um, you know, I'm super thankful that I went out and won a state title as a junior, so that could be a state champion, right? And I feel like so I always preach that to our guys, even here at Augsburg. Like, I don't care if you're a freshman, a sophomore, a junior, you never know what's gonna happen next year. We learned that lesson heavily with COVID a few years ago as well, right? Um, so go take advantage of today, right? You never know if you're gonna be this healthy or this motivated or this excited about wrestling go win that match who cares if you're the underdog type thing so um yeah it, it was hard i also knew i was going to wrestle in college so i think there was some level of the you know it's not like this is it um but that yeah that was that was crummy the acl tear might even been more crummy acl tears are a lot to come back from i've done both of them now and um th- those ones make you think twice about whether you want to do any of this stuff anymore that's for sure
0: Yeah, that's a good point. You know, you came back, you said three months and 15 days after surgery. That's a pretty quick turnaround. Are you just a fast healer or what? (laughs) Well, and I, I had a goal,
1: right? I was super motivated to come back for some, you know, for again, for the team and for my senior year, I had a doctor that was on board and kind of the rehab. So instead of really following the plan of This time frame, it was more when you hit this checkpoint, go to the next checkpoint type thing. Um, so I actually tore my other ACL coaching. Then afterwards, I wasn't near as diligent with my (laughs) rehab and my coming back. That one was a lot slower, as far as I just didn't have that same level of motivation. So, uh, so yeah, interesting you know, I feel like there's a lot of trains of thought to it. Obviously three months and 15 days was, you know, I feel like probably pretty extreme with the risk of me wanting to be wrestling in college. When I look back at it now, I also think I don't have any regrets. I didn't, I didn't have anything major go wrong with it. So I feel like I was appreciative that the doctors and coaches and my parents were willing to let me try it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so was there any thought about going anywhere else other than Augsburg?
1: Yeah, there was for sure. So really? I, for a long time, I feel like I was anywhere but Augsburg, just because my brother had went there and like, I'm going to go somewhere else. And so I, I toured a lot of places, Um, you know, some D3, a couple D2, and then some Division one programs. Um, I actually, I feel like I kind of had my heart set on Southern Illinois Edwardsville. One of our alumni from Scott West, Pat McNamara um, was a two-time All-American at Michigan State. He had been at Missouri for a little bit as the head assistant coach, and he was starting up the, they were transitioning from D2 to D1 at Edwardsville at that time. And so I was like all in, that guy was a Matt wrestler like me. Um, he was going to be invested in me because it wasn't like he had this big team. Uh, he had a donor that was going to build this brand new awesome beautiful facility so and basically I would redshirt a year we wouldn't be NCAA eligible for a year and then I'd have three years to make a run at trying to be a division one all-american right and uh, in that time we found out that one program gets to do the fast track of two years and it wasn't going to be wrestling it was going to be men's soccer and everything fell apart so instead of sitting one year, I would have had to sit three years. Um, and actually, Coach McNamara ended up not taking that position. I think the donor pulled his funds, and he ended up building. McNamara actually runs a really successful club now in Edwardsville that that donor built him after that. And so that changed everything for me as far as then I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I had really good relationships with the Augsburg coaches, Sam Barber, who's at Air Force, was the head coach mm-hmm. at the time. Mark Matzik was the assistant and Jared Evans I was super close with. And so I think just the comfort comfortability that they were going to invest in me and I knew what I was going to get at Augsburg kind of ended up making it be my choice. And I guess I haven't left since. So it wasn't too bad of a choice.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Um wow what a what a change of events there though you know you're thinking you're going to you know uh southern illinois edwardsville um and i mean nope that that had to be how'd you handle that it it was hard right and i think my mom was happy
1: because southern illinois edwardsville was a heck of a lot further away right <laughs> um so again I think you just adjust right it was out of my control um and and I knew I was happy with my Augsburg choice it wasn't like I knew what I was getting at Augsburg and and how challenging it was going to be um so I, I think it was I think it all worked out just fine you know I, but it is it's hard when you're going through that as a 18 year old or 17 or whatever I was at the time like you got to adjust with those things it's not always easy to do at that age
0: mm-hmm. yeah another program in Minnesota that's really good with St. Cloud State did you look at them at all
1: so I did so Coach Constanza had just got to St. Cloud State so they were actually pretty poor they didn't have much success prior to Coach Constanza Um, and so I did visit and I didn't you know they they came on I think they won their first national championship I want to say in like 2015 so I high school in 08, and then college in 12. So I feel like I was just at the beginning. If we'd have been three, four, five years later, that might've made it a little bit tougher choice. Um, but I think at some point I came down to, with my brother and the relationships that I had at Augsburg, that it was going to be Division One or Augsburg. You know, I think I communicated that to all the coaches of the different programs I had visited before I ever even then made a choice. Um, you know, I visited Nebraska. I visited... Um, Iowa State, while Kale was there. That was super, super cool. It was kind of like a group visit day. Um, but we got to go to Kale's house and played Mafia. I'm sure most wrestling people nowadays know what Mafia is. Um, but the parents all played up in with Kale in his living room upstairs. And the kids with some of the current wrestlers played downstairs and his brackets and Olympic gold medal and everything was there. So that was a super cool experience as well. Obviously, basically right away, then Kale took the Penn State job right after that. Um, but that was super cool too, to have that experience and get to go make some of those visits as well.
0: Yeah. So then you settled on Augsburg, not settled you. Yeah. So it was Augsburg, you know, that just seemed like, uh, the, the woman that you didn't realize was (laughs) until you started to look at her that way. You're like, wow. Okay. Yeah. This is the one for me. And, um, yeah. And like you said, you haven't left, um, you get there and you start out at 141. Did you? Did you know you were going to be a 41-pounder? Because you eventually moved to 49, you know? Yep.
1: You know, I think I went in. We had a huge recruiting class. They had quite a few guys coming back.
0: They actually had a
1: University of Minnesota transfer who was ranked number one at 133, Travis Lang, and a number one ranked guy at 149 and Willie Holst. So I feel like it was like that was, you know, the option. And so that was a lot for me that year, making 141. I spent way too much time, I think, probably worrying about my weight and trying to stay down than I did maybe staying motivated about wrestling. I was definitely one of those guys that at the end of January, early February was thinking, I can't wait for this to be over. Right. And that isn't a way to wrestle well at the end of, at the end of the season. You know, I think I was the seven seed or something like that at nationals and and came up a little bit short um, uh, of place in that nationals that year. Ironically, I think what still bothers me a little bit. I tech followed my kid first round at nationals. He went on to be an all American. I lost my next two and was out. So it's like, uh, you know, I think I certainly, if I'd have wrestled to the best of my ability, would have been in the mix that freshman year. But was certainly ready to go up to one forty nine. Then after Willie Holse graduated as a as a sophomore, junior, senior, then.
0: Yeah, so you you show up at one forty one. Did you have aspiration? Like, did you know you could insert into the lineup and and make an impact right away? Were you that confident?
1: Uh, no, I, I mean. I believed I could, but we had a lot of guys, right? Uh Lucas Murray and Jake Satzer were some returners there. Um, we had a bunch of freshmen, Coach Barber's first recruiting class um before he we went to Air Force. Then we had like 25 guys come in. Um and so ironically, one of the yeah, so it was a huge class. Um, and it and and that really sustained for the next three, four years was basically all the crew from that class. You know, we had three transfers. Um, That were Jared Massey, uh, who ended up being a three-time All-American and national champ for us. Zach Malter was a transfer, who ended up being a three-time All-American and national champ. And Orlando Ponce, who ended up being a three-time national finalist. Then myself, Brad Baus, who was an All-American, and Josh Roberts, who was an All-American, all came in that year together. Um, Plus plus 15 (laughs) other guys who, if they'd have had an opportunity, who knows what they'd have done, right? Um, But one of the big ones was... So my junior year of high school, I lost to a guy by the name of Tori Stewart. I lost to him in the Christmas tournament, which is a big Minnesota, the probably the premier high school tournament in Minnesota, um, in the Christmas tournament finals, the team section finals, and the individual section finals. And then I actually beat him in the state championship match, right? So I was one and three against him, but I won the one that, that mattered at that point, right? And so right. he ended up coming to Augsburg as well. So he was a huge recruit. He was a Uh, I think it was a four-time state finalist in Minnesota and a two-time champ. Um, And so I feel like there are a lot of guys who maybe thought he was going to be the 141 pounder, Um, you know, and I just think as the season went along, um, I, I, the resources I was, I was growing, I was getting better and had a lot of success. And so, um, you know, I ended up winning that spot, call it in more like January and was kind of the guy for the rest of the year. Took my lumps at times. Certainly we wrestled a really tough schedule um, You know, we wrestled the Warburg guys a couple times between national duels and um, nationals. Uh, we wrestled St. John's, who Mingabatsuk was there as a three-time national champ. Uh, we wrestled Nebraska-Omaha. I actually wrestled Mario Morgan, who I think won a D2 national title. We had a silly 12-10 match or something that I actually <laughs> won. Um, but yeah, that freshman year was a lot of ups and downs for me. I feel like, and that's a lot of freshmen, right? It's a big transition and just match in and match out. Every guy getting your best effort is is challenging. That's for
0: sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then throwing the curveball of Sam, you know, Sam leaving, you know, Coach yep. Barber was there and then he leaves. I mean, did that, how did that weigh on you as a student athlete? Um, think about sticking around or did you think about transferring? So yeah, so that,
1: so, so that actually happened August going into my freshman year. So Sam okay. wasn't actually there at all then. And yeah, that threw a, a huge curveball, right? I feel like it was late enough that there weren't a lot of other options to even oh. really explore. And I feel like basically the whole, and we knew all, they had tied us all together, which was super smart. So we knew all the other incoming guys and it was going to be this you know, class that was going to make this huge impact, whatever. And so I think almost all of us ended up still coming. And so then Mark Matzik was named head coach. He had been the head assistant. And Jared Evans was named the head assistant coach, who I was super close with. He was my brother's best friend and worked with me a lot, even when I was in high school because of that. Um, And so I, you know, I, I, we still went, but that was just a big transition year for Augsburg wrestling. I mean, Matzik at the time, I think was 29 years old. I think, I think he turned 30, maybe he was 30 the next year. So he was a super young head coach thrown into it you know, huge expectations, tons of personalities, you know, they had some transfers and different things. And so, um, you know, Matzik and I are still very close to this day, but that was, that was a tall order for him to manage all those guys and all those personalities. And so we certainly went through some growing pains um, during those years of figuring out how to make it his program compared to, you know, having a guy like Jeff Swenson, who had been there for you know, 25 years, uh, it's, it's hard to live up and and do it the same way he did it. Right. And I think that was one of the big things I needed to learn as I've transitioned and helped run this program with coach Molsoff is to make it our own, right. We aren't Jeff Swenson. We aren't Mark Matic. Um, we can take pieces of that with us. Um, but I think you gotta be genuine and be yourself. If you want to have a high level wrestling program or people are going to see through it
0: Mm -hmm. for sure. hundred percent agree with that. Um, uh you said it you you finally won the spot in January about about that time. So were you like kind of going out and wrestling every so often? Was it kind of back and forth with you? Yeah, the-
1: so Augsburg doesn't do wrestle-offs or we haven't ever really we enter a lot of open tournaments and if you meet up in an open tournament you wrestle right um so I was fortunate I actually never wrestled a teammate during my career I might be the only guy in Augsburg history not to I don't know how the, you know the opening weekend sometimes you'll co-champ or co-whatever um but at the end of the year I I had some common opponent wins you know I think the big one was we go to the citrus uh invitation or it might have been sunshine then down in Florida Um, and I had a big win in the finals there and and the other guy Lucas Murray who was a super tough wrestler had gotten beat by that guy and I think that really changed things I had you know that let me wrestle at national duels then that allowed me to get some kind of big wins and build some momentum and you know never really had any common opponents the opposite way so kind of never looked back after that
0: Mm -hmm. so what about duels before then you know were you going back and forth
1: Yeah, Augsburg traditionally doesn't do many duels in the first half, kind of by design. Um, So yeah, so most of our, and and part of it is we don't have a conference either. So we have a tough time getting teams to agree to duel us, right? The, you know, the D3s are Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota. So we get some of those teams on the duel, but the Iowa conference, we all know how tough that is. So they aren't exactly looking to add us to the schedule other than, you know, Wartburg and Loris are wrestling us right now, but Nobody else will. We've asked them all, right? And then Wisconsin, we get, you know, we have lacrosse on the schedule in Eau Claire. Um, so we've got a couple teams there. But the D twos in Minnesota, we we beg them, man. And um, uh, we asked, I've asked St. Cloud State for about five straight years and and they just say they're not interested in a dual meet. They always are willing to come to our tournament. I said if you wrestle us in a dual meet, you can come to our tournament. Um, so we we struggle sometimes to get duels. So like last year, even with national duels, I think we only had 10. We were nine and one. Um, so that, so we don't have too many of those. So, um, so that my freshman year, Willie Holst was like out. The only duel I remember is I wrestled up at 149 in the St. John's duel. So both that guy and I did, I wrestled, um, but I don't remember necessarily missing any other duels, but might've been one other one in there or something.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. So also, um, I want to talk a little bit about how tough it is for, for scheduling duels because you're also a part of the athletic Uh, budgeting, right? Um, Or your assistant in that? Yeah.
1: So, uh, so coaches at Augsburg have some sort of secondary role. So some Mm -hmm. coaches teach a class, some are helping with concessions, some are whatever, different things. Um, And so a handful of years ago, our budget manager at Augsburg left, which I would almost call it, they're kind of the liaison between the accounting team at Augsburg and athletics, you know, they're helping do some of those things. And I had an accounting degree, um from Augsburg as accounting and business management. And so they asked me if I'd be interested in that position. So I took that over. Um, it's been really interesting, you know, understanding how other teams kind of use those budgets and helping with those processes. And obviously with ours, and I think for me, long term, depending on how long I want to do the hustle and bustle of recruiting and every weekend, um, I do think there's an avenue at some point if I wanted to go in the athletic director realm. Um, I think that role would be really, really beneficial being the, the budget manager here within athletics.
0: Mm -hmm. So do you, with that being said, you know, and if you don't have as many, um, you know, duels, does, can you put that maybe like those funds that would be for duels and travel? Are you able to put those towards like more tournaments or um, does that sort of play a role in anything like that? Yeah, not
1: necessarily my budget manager position, but at Augsburg, we are pretty blessed. You know, basically the programs, the head coaches are given a lot of leeway. You basically have a budget. And you you spend it how you deem best, right? So for us, we think wrestling a lot of tournaments, open tournaments is really important. Um, and so we do that and it, and it does cost a lot of money. you know we we have a lot more matches than the vast majority of our competition. you know, we had five freshmen last year I think with 40 matches. you know, basically our whole roster has over 25. Um, and so I think that's been a big piece of our development and and being ready when somebody graduates, because you had all those matches and those opportunities the year before, somebody gets hurt or anything like that. You know, I was even holding court with three, four guys after practice yesterday, just talking about this weekend going down to Luther between a bus cost, hotel cost, entry fee, um, and food, it was gonna be like six thousand dollars. They thought that was the craziest thing they had ever heard. And I'm like, yeah, every weekend we go it's going to be six grand out of our, out of our budget. Right. Well, that's, that's a lot. I get why teams aren't necessarily wrestling that many matches if they don't have kind of the level of support we do, because you can only do so many of those within your budget. So yeah, at Augsburg, we're pretty blessed to be able to kind of spend those funds how we think it makes most sense for our program. Mm
0: -hmm. Can it be frustrating to find, you know, if you find it difficult to get a, you know, a home and home duel with somebody, um, you know, does that, does that make scheduling just more difficult? Does that sort of kind of, to be blunt here, is that just sort of piss you off, you know? Yeah, it, it is frustrating, especially when we want them. We want
1: those high level duels in the, in the second semester, right? When everyone's wrestling their duels. Well, that's when all those teams are having their conference duels. So that's even more challenging. So lots of people are like, oh, we'll wrestle you on November 5th. Right, and it's like, well, we don't really. That's not how our program operates from the standpoint of. Then we have to decide. Then I, as a coach, have to decide who our varsity guy is this weekend, and that's not really how it's run. They the, those guys figure that out on their own through common competition, right? You know, an awesome program, Johnson and Wales is coming to town literally this week. They're wrestling Eau Claire tonight and they, and they asked to wrestle. So I'll be the first to admit we said no, because we weren't well, we didn't want to sacrifice going to the tournament this weekend to get one match. You know, we're going to get five, six matches every single guy this weekend um, and, and to get that one. And so I feel like it's, it's trying to figure out that balance. So I totally get why coaches, maybe aren't interested um but i also i the one the one i really would love to get and i'm not the Saint Cloud state is they're awesome like we would have our hands full year in year out trying to even compete with those guys right and I believe we can I think we got the team to do it um right now where that would be a great duel and I think it'd be a huge turnout right because we're right. only about an hour 15 away from each other you know we've both won national championships you know five I think they have now and we have our 14 um you know I think it'd be really cool for wrestling so um and Constanza knows that right and he's totally cool he's been honest and straightforward with me too but I'd still like to do it if he ever wants too that's for sure
0: well I wish I would have talked to you before I talked to him so I have his episode coming out here shortly there you go I could have I could have talked to him about it but man it it would be awesome and also just for the state of Minnesota to watch two of their best programs um you know come and, and battle it out you know because you're obviously in different divisions so really you know when do you guys ever come across them you know so just to have that for for Minnesota as well would be would be pretty cool pretty unique and just uh pretty special you know at the end of the day but Augustana did take us
1: up on it though. So we've got Augustana on the schedule, you know, they've been a a top 10 division two program in South Dakota. They have lots of Minnesota guys on their roster. Um, so that was, so that was cool. So we will be going to them this year and then they'll be coming to us. Uh, it's either like the first weekend of February or something like that. Um, so super excited that they took us up on it. So shout out to coach Rettmeyer out there for getting that on the schedule. Cause we always used to wrestle. We always used to wrestle like right around the new year. And then somehow the weeks turned over over and it got lost and that duel never got it never worked out so I was I was excited that they they accepted and we got a, a duel on the schedule with those guys
0: yeah definitely yes uh tough program there yeah in Augustana yep. um I I guess I should I should ask a little bit more about you guys aren't in a conference is nope. that that's unusual you know like the, the the teams that come to mind are like Notre Dame you know mm-hmm. we have a conference um the fighting Irish that is um yeah but like yeah, so, wow. so so
1: Augsburg Augsburg's in the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, so the MIAC, right? right. Um, and uh, we used to have four prep programs. Unfortunately, Saint Olaf dropped a handful of years ago, so it's just us, Concordia, Moorhead, and Saint John's are the only three programs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the threshold, how many they say we need to have to. Um, have it be conference affiliated or whatever. So, yeah. So, you know, all the other teams, that's kind of their big rivals. That's who they're recruiting against. You know, we don't, yeah. we don't have that as much, um, you know, both those programs, Concordia and St. John's have actually Augsburg wrestling alumni as their head coaches. And so we wrestle, see those guys at some point we do a Concordia. Concordia. Um, but yeah, otherwise, otherwise we're, our rivals are more the division twos the in the Iowa and Wisconsin schools than, than in Minnesota here.
0: So, when you found out you were almost, I don't know if you disbanded the conference or, um, you know, did that throw you guys for a loop a little bit? You know, I think you were part of the staff at that time. I mean. Yeah. So it used to
1: be that MIAC was how you, so your conference was how you qualified for the national tournament, right? Mm-hmm and right before I got here, um, the Great Lakes Regional was created, and so that was how we qualified. It was like us and maybe some of the CCIW schools, so like North Central and Elmhurst and some of those schools, um, and so that's what I wrestled in during my whole career wrestling here. It's a tough, tough region to get through, um, mm-hmm. and that was back when they basically gave qualifiers the next year for how many all Americans your region had the previous couple of years, right? And so, um, you know, there were regions out east that were getting just their 10 champs and maybe one more guy, whereas our region and especially that Iowa conference might have got top three plus some extras. Mm -hmm. Um, Then right after my wrestling career, call it in like 13 or 14, all of division three moved to a regional system so now you don't qualify through your conference anyways it's more a bragging right rivalry whatever type thing so everybody's kind of in the same boat where you qualify for the national tournament from your regional anyways at this point so it's more just the scheduling thing that's a little bit challenging than anything else for us
0: okay okay so that. You turn, you kind of spin this, I don't know if it's a negative, but you spin it into a positive where it works for you. I mean, it sounds like it can be difficult, (laughs) you know, um, to to figure all that. Well,
1: -hmm. the other thing that's interesting about division three. So we have two, two division three programs in Oregon. So Pacific's been there and then Linfield added a couple of years ago, but Concordia Moorhead in Minnesota is the third most West team in all of division 3 wrestling. So we're we're on the edge of division 3 wrestling. The Midwest is, you know, most of the teams are actually on the east coast and it's adding like wildfire in like Virginia area which is super cool for wrestling and down south at the division 3 level. Um so it's kind of unique. It's not like we can go west. There are no division 3 teams mm-hmm. in South Dakota, North Dakota, um, you know, Colorado, whatever, anywhere west, it's just south and east. So like Concordia Moorhead, those poor guys are, you know, three and a half hours north of us, they got to travel three and a half hours, plus whatever we do to get to everything, you know, that's a long ways for them to yeah. get to to different events.
0: Wow, that's a good point, you know, uh, especially for someone in your situation that uh, may find it difficult to grab some of these closer schools mm-hmm. for duels. Um, Virginia is not really that close, you know, so you talk about $6,000 just to go to to Luther. I mean, I can't even imagine what it would cost to, you know, go out there and even wrestle a duel. I mean, Mm -hmm. again, you want to make the biggest bang for your buck. So if you're going out to Virginia wrestling a a couple matches and coming back that, you know, is that feasible? Is that something you can look at and go, okay, this is how much it costs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard balance. So we've, we've traditionally a big, our big travel trip is we've went to the uh, tournament in Florida. The citrus is what it's called now every year, basically. And so you get to see some of those East coast teams, like a Farum from Virginia's drove down there. Um, So you get to see, you know, some of those teams and then national duels. Obviously we get lots of crossover. It traditionally had been in Louisville, but we're back at the UNI dome, which is awesome. I just think there'll be so many more people cheering fans of the event there you know I'd love to get the division ones when I was wrestling it was super cool the Gophers beat Iowa we beat Warburg and then NDSU who had almost all Minnesota guys won the D2 championship I don't remember who they beat but all on three mats next to each other and it was like that was pretty cool for Minnesota wrestling to you know wasn't technically the big three we could maybe with St. Cloud we need the Gophers to get back there in division (laughs) one but Um was pretty cool to be part of something like that. You know, I remember Cole Conrad beating Steve Mako to win the duel. Like that was a super cool moment for everybody.
0: Yeah. Mostly everybody.
1: Sure. sure. It was super cool (laughs) for Minnesota people. Excuse me. Thank you.
0: Oh no, no. I was just uh man, yeah. It just Minnesota. Um, gosh, what a what a breeding ground for wrestling there. You know, I mean, yeah, Minnesota um, University of Minnesota, uh, sort of taking its lumps and and trying to get back to where traditionally they've been with Brandon Agum, but, um, gosh, yeah, you look at Augsburg and St. Cloud state. It's, it's just, I mean, those are two top tier programs. And so, um, now I want to, I guess, reverse a little bit and and, and go back to your wrestling career, um, for a little bit, because you sort of talked about, um, you know, Zilverbergs and sometimes they weren't able, you know, they weren't able to get to the top. Um, You know, unfortunately, unfortunately neither were you, you know, uh, how did you sort of handle that? You got second, second and third. And, you know, it always seemed like you were kind of right there in the mix. Um, For sure, that that was hard, right? I
1: mean, again, the everybody's goal, or certainly my goal, coming to Augsburg was, yeah, I want to win a team national championship, but a component I want to do my part and win an individual national championship, right? And so, yeah, so I came up a little bit short all three seasons there. Uh, well, I'd call it all four at the national, right? I feel like right. my freshman year, I was a match short of becoming an All-American, which was probably my real goal at that point. And then my sophomore, junior and senior year, you know, I think I thought I was capable of winning a national championship. So that was certainly certainly the goal. Um, you know, I think back and I talked about that lesson of, I think as a sophomore, I was I was satisfied or happy that I was in the national finals and I don't get me wrong. I wanted to win, but I don't think I had that same edge that I needed to have. I think I thought, Oh, I'll have next year and the following year. And like I say, you never know when you're going to actually be healthy or the things are going to come together. Um, And I wrestled a real tough opponent, Isaac Dukes from case Western Um, super explosive blasted me a couple of times, gotten a weird reversal near cradle that kind of ended where he got near fall in the second period that, Kind of took that or got that match off the rails. Then my junior year, I actually beat him in the national semifinals of- in a crazy match. Um, lots of reversals and some stoppages. That that was before injury time gave choice. Um, Dukes took a few, got a got a few breaks in that one, right? Um, uh, <laughs> but I but I won that one. And then I wrestled Minga Batsuk from St. John's, who was um an incredible wrestler. I, I would say the best wrestler I've ever wrestled. You know, I wrestled that. Fargo and I even like I wrestled Jordan Oliver and some of those guys Mingabatsuk was incredible Um, and so he ended up being a three-time champ Um, and so I lost to him a couple times during that year and then my senior year you know I really felt like I really felt like that was my year. You know, I was undefeated the whole year until nationals. I didn't really have any close matches to be completely honest, but I got in the habit of, I didn't think anyone could score on me. So I didn't worry too much about trying to score my own points. And so late, I wasn't being very offensive and I lost a at nationals i got lost a kid who i couldn't ride from loris with double overtime and uh he got a weird 30 second ride out and i lost him um and that was hard right that was that was certainly the most disappointing match of my career um if i could go back you know everyone talks about paying for college and where i pay a lot of money to go back and wrestle that match over again right And, and just have a different strategy you know i think There's a lot of regret when you don't go out and try to wrestle and be offensive sometimes. And I think that's what I experienced. I I believe I was the better wrestler, but I didn't showcase it. I didn't go out and create any of those scrambles or or those situations where I was great. Um, And and that ended up catching me in the end. You know, I was proud of the fact it's hard to get up. I had to wrestle that session again because it was the quarters. I wasn't even an All-American, you know, and to get up and wrestle again. I was proud of the fact that. I rattled off a few wins. I actually beat that same kid I had lost to in my last match of my career. Then another match where I couldn't get anything. That was when injury time was in it. Then it was the next year and I had my knee kind of pop in the, so I was down. He got an escape in the third to make it one to one, but then he got to go immediately back down because of injury time and got away again. So I was down two to one and I ended up finally getting to his legs, like 30 seconds left. I got a takedown. He got away And then like 10 seconds left, I got another takedown to win by one and at least go out with a win. But certainly certainly, something I still think about plenty, right, of wanting to win that match. And and somewhat for myself, but like for my family, for my coaches, for the teammates. You know, my brother wrestled at Augsburg and unfortunately went 7-2-2. So I feel like similarly didn't quite um, get that. I think that was somebody that I really wanted to win that match more for. But I also think it's, kept me hungry and wanting to help the guys not go through, not have that same regret, especially the whole idea of being offensive. You know, we preach so hard at Augsburg scoring bonus points. And honestly, it's not even really that much about scoring bonus points. It's more that we wrestle hard in those big matches um, rather than letting things try to come to you. And I think we saw that a year ago, Sam Stahl unseated winning a national title. He scored in the first minute of like every match, Right. You know, in 2019, we had four individual national champs, uh, probably my favorite match. David Flynn was a Scott West guy, uh, mm-hmm. scored a late takedown to to win a national title for us. Um, so, you know, some of those matches, I think, make up for, I, I'm extra motivated. They mean even more to me when I didn't quite win that match myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was looking up the results, you know, of your your college career and I was like man just a crazy circle of events you know you lost Isaac Dukes like you said but then you beat him the next year mm-hmm. to, to, to put you into the finals and yeah you run up against Minga Batsuk and I was like man this guy you know just couldn't catch a break. It seemed like, you know, um, cause then the following, yeah, I
1: remember we had wrestled and he never really did. He never really shot. I was confident. I could, I could ride him Right. And, uh, we're always some, you know, one or two exchanges here. Um, and in the national finals, he came out first 10 seconds, blasted a high C double. I was very not ready for. And, <laughs> uh, and, and so that kind of, I was down to zero early. Um, and yeah, it was a competitive match. It wasn't, I just, he was, had such good position. Um, you know, I never really was super close to scoring points. He, he was, yeah, he was, he was an incredible wrestler. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. I think the most impressive thing though, was, was your senior year. Um, you know, you, he obviously had aspirations. Like, like you said, this is my year I'm going to win mm-hmm. it. And then you lose in the quarterfinals. And like you said, you're not even an all American. So mm-hmm. you got, you have to go back. You went back that session to win. And then you fought back all the way and got third. And not only did you get third, like you said, you beat that kid from Loris for third. Mm-hmm. You know, looking back or even in that moment, if you can remember, I mean, you, how proud were you that be, getting third? I feel like is one of the toughest things to do, especially with aspirations like you had. You know, it can be so difficult to yeah, to for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was. You look through brackets. The guy, the semi slide is real, right? You lose the yeah. semi, so many of those guys get sixth place, whether that's division one, two, three, any of them, right? Um, and so, yeah, I was certainly proud of that, right? Again, I think probably more a testament to the the programs I went through. Um, Scott West, Augsburg, you know, whatever. I feel like my family, my parents' values, it was way more about how you carried yourself than the results, right? Um, and so I think I was proud of living up to that a little bit, right? That I could go out and perform again. And and even though I didn't get what I wanted, I was still gonna go represent Augsburg and my family and myself to the best of my ability. Um, so yeah, I, I'm certainly proud of being able to do that. You know, another guy who did that for us that I think lived at Chad Johnson was one of our Augie greats. He was a four-time All-American. He was a two-time national champ going into his senior year. Same thing happened. He lost in the semis. He could have came, went and got six, but he came back and got third. So I think it's something that our program values. It's something that we preach. You got to be able to come back after a loss. Honestly, it's something that a dual meet doesn't teach you as well, because you've got three, four days a week after you lose in a tough dual meet but when you wrestle a bunch of multi-match days, you learn that lesson pretty quick that you got to get up again and you got to go wrestle hard. And that's what nationals is. You know, I, I believe division three nationals is one on the backside way more than it's one on the front side. It's our guys willing to wrestle after they take that tough loss.
0: Yeah. And that's a, it's a real testament to your mentality and and just maybe your character as well, you know um, to bring it, especially in the same session, like that, like you said that it's got to be Division Three. I mean, at least in Division One, you know, if you lose, you, you kind of have I think that's in the morning, and then you have that break. So you don't yeah, have to so I right think right. Division
1: One on the champ side, they always give you a break. No matter no. when you lose, you don't wrestle again in that session. Mm-hmm. Um Division Three is one of the rare ones where, and that's where semifinal losers, especially your heart, like you got to wrestle again, immediately in that session. And then again, if you win or lose, so you got to wrestle twice in an hour and a half span and that's tough sled. And A lot of guys don't handle that real well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you know, you get third. Um, not only that, I also want to ask real quick about you, were, you were in uh, um, an elite 89 winner at the time. It's now, I think it's elite 90 now which is also highest academic standard as well. You know, what, what, what did that mean to you? Not only working hard on the mat, but in the classroom to win such a prestigious award.
1: Yeah, that, that, that meant a lot, right? I feel like that helped to actually take some of the sting away. Augsburg had never had somebody win that award prior to that in their athletics history. So I thought that was, um, you know, pretty cool to be able to, to do right. And again, it's something that, my parents really preached always was whatever, doing well in the classroom. It's something that we do. You know, I I think something that we've really evolved with our program, you know, we're perennial powerhouse in the academic side. You know, we had 17 scholar all Americans last year. Um, in 2022, we won the academic team national championship, right? And generally wow. there's an inverse relationship between the top wrestling schools and the academic performance at all the levels, right? Um, and so we're pretty proud of, kind of being the exception of that. We always give the stat with recruits and stuff that we're, you know, the only team in the country to be top 10 in wrestling and school. But Stevens Institute of Technology out East has been causing some lumps in that. They've been in the mix with it too, right? Um, But again, that's something that, We're still preaching. So when I was done, then Victor Gleva, who just graduated a few years for us, won the elite 90. So I think it was that that's how many NCAA championships there are. So men's volleyball was what was added. And that's why now there's 90 of those winners, not 89. So Victor Gleba had a 4.0 and won that as a sophomore junior and senior. Um so I always tell Vic, well they give it to anybody 90 people, my goodness, at least when I won it as a lead. So 390s equal an 89 is what I always tell tell Victor. So um, pretty cool that he won that as well.
0: Yeah, when did you decide or when did you think that maybe transitioning into coaching was was in your future?
1: <laughs> yeah, great question. You know, I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to study when I went to Augsburg. You know, I knew I knew I was going to go to college. I knew I wanted to wrestle. Um, And so I my brother had done, you know, accounting, and finance. My dad was kind of in the finance accounting world. Um, And so I I ended up going that route. I was an accounting major, our high school wrestling coach taught accounting, Gerald Stopker. So naturally, I (laughs) took that every year. Um, And so that was the route I went. And I, I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do. During my senior year, I kind of had had conversations with our athletic director, who was Jeff Swenson, former head wrestling coach, about like, hey, is there an opportunity to do a grad assistant here? Augsburg had never really had that. And so they basically created that, and it bought me two more years to figure out what I was going to do next. So I got my, my master of leadership at Augsburg grad degree paid for while coaching, And I think that's where I kind of fell in love with, you know, my favorite part. I like working with the athletes. It's awesome and helping them accomplish their goals. I think one of the other things that's super cool about coaching is it's just you wear different hats at different times, right? You know, you've got your recruiting, you've got your working with individual athletes, you got a budget, you got to um, travel, you know, got to do all these different pieces and they evolve as the year goes along. Um, And so... Wrestling technique is not my greatest strength, right? I mean, I have, I, I, I can wrestle just fine. I can show things, but that isn't where I hang my hat. You know, to me, I think it's more all those other things that go into helping run a program and uh, prioritizing your time and and the guys and trying to figure out all those different pieces that I've really enjoyed about it. Um, so, yeah, sometime during those grad assistant years was when I decided that I probably was going to stay in coaching. So, I did that for two years. And then there was no position for me at Augsburg because uh, Matzik was still the head coach and Coach Molsoff was the assistant coach. And so I actually got a call from Sam Barber, full circle, and I actually went out there and visited the Air Force Academy and accepted a coaching position at Air Force and then right around Fargo. So I'm planning so actually my wife was at Augsburg she resigned we were gonna or now wife we were gonna move out there and coach with coach Barber and she was gonna figure out how to be an athletic trainer out there and uh coach Matzik decided he was gonna go back home and coach his high school program and be done coaching college and so coach Molsoff and coach Swenson basically called and said hey we want you guys to come run this program right and so we decided to stay my wife got her job back at Augsburg for a couple years. And, uh, and ended up staying at Augsburg and being on full-time and, you know, super blessed to coach Molsoff As you know, we've made decisions together. We still do. We swapped titles a couple of years ago. Nothing's really changed. We make decisions together. Um, I think we're a really good team. And so I think it, it's been, I've always really appreciated that from the get-go, he allowed me to make impactful decisions with him. So that's been really big. Wow.
0: Almost Air Force, huh? the Air Yeah. Force
1: again, my mom was happy. I didn't go to Colorado Springs, you know, I stayed close. So I feel like she's been the winner in all this.
0: Yeah. And of course, you know, it worked out for everybody, which is, which is always great. But, um, you know, when did you, when did you just dis- hear that you were going to be like a co-head coach and what are like the responsibilities to go along with? That? I feel like that's a pretty, um, unique circumstance there.
1: Yeah, so so 2014-15, Coach Molsoff and I took over. We had like 26 or 27 guys on our roster, which was really small for Augsburg standards. Um, We had come off the first time in, uh, well, I think right now the stat is we've placed in the top five of the national tournament 32 of the last 33 years. Well, 2014 was the year we didn't, right? So I feel like we weren't inheriting necessarily... Uh, the program at the peak of its of its standard, right? Um, and we were interim that year because it happened so late they didn't actually name us the full-time coaches. And so we ended up, you know, we had a, a good season. We had some um Donny Longendijk was a really big guy, came in for us for he actually started at Nebraska and and he came in And so we got better as the year went along. I mean, we got mopped by Wartburg in the duel. I think we won two matches and we got hot at nationals, scored a bunch of bonus points. They did not have a good tournament. And we were like ranked seventh going in and we won the national championship then in 2015. For sure the biggest upset of any of the years I've ever been a part of, right? Um, And so then it was like, wow, like we're going to do this. What are we going to do next? And so they literally dropped our our interim tags that week, they're like, we're not even going to do an interview process. Now you guys are the guys. Um, And so I went to associate head coach. And I think it was more just with the idea that coach Mulsat did allow me to be a big part of those decisions. It was not your traditional head coach, assistant coach relationship that I think a lot of programs have. Um, And so we did that for a few years, but there was always a conversation basically that we're going to go this many years and then we're going to go co-head coach Um, That was actually planned to be done um, in 20, after 2019 and 2020. And it was just going to be a one-year thing. Um, But all of us, mainly I drove, COVID hit. And I didn't want Coach Molsoff's last season as whatever, even though we were together and doing the same things as head coach to be 2020 when it was canceled. So we ended up extending. We went co-head coach then in 2020, 21, and 22 to make it so that you know he got to finish that the way we wanted to and then we just swapped roles we went head coach in 23 uh, you know and I've got three little boys at home so it's been big for you know financially head coach and and assistant coaches are different and some of those types of things so I feel like that was a piece of it with me having um three little boys at home making sure that I can justify all the time that I spend around this place that's for sure yeah so most um coach Molsoff is still on staff he just has switched roles C- correct, correct. And again, uh, so coach Molsoff is, I don't know, 60 couple, right? Coach Molsoff isn't going anywhere, right? It, we both are on the same page about kind of the vision. We don't make any decisions any different now than before. Maybe I get a few more of the phone calls if it's random people wanting to wrestle here or do an interview or whatever, right? Um, But certainly it's it's still a full full team effort between the two of us, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Did you feel a little bit of, you know, maybe some pressure or since you had this collab with, with Molsoff for, for these years, you know, becoming the head coach, you know, wasn't seen as that, that big of a, of an adjustment. Yeah. You know, when we went co-head coach, it was, I thought it was going
1: to be relatively simple because we had such ridiculous guys coming back. So we had four returning national champs and seven returning all Americans from the 2019 team. Um, that didn't actually always go as planned with some of the, a few of those guys went second semester. But I like to think we'd have finished the way we have lots of years at the end of the national tournament that got canceled. So I don't I don't know that there was any extra pressure. I think I felt that same pressure in 2015, 16, 17, just because we were doing it together and the people who were inside the program or knew the program knew that from the get go, that was kind of how we operated, you know, it wasn't like at an alumni event. Like I got to speak with alongside coach Molsoff with parents, with organization. I did the scheduling with other coaches. You know, I, I was still help close recruits. So I don't think any of that really changed. So I don't think there was more pressure. You know, I think again, it goes back to trust in the process. I believe in the team culture we got, I believe in the guys we have in, in the room. And so you live with the results then after that, right? And so it just feels a lot better when the results are like we did last year at the national tournament. Those those ones feel a lot better, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, you said earlier, um, you know, switching from like Coach Swenson, you know, you had Sam Barber in there, um, Matzik and, and you know, yourself and Molsoff, that you kind of take pieces, but you, you you put your spin on it. What has been, I'm curious, what has been your spin that you have added? to to the program to make it more yours.
1: Good question. I think lots of things. I think we've broke up our practice routine. You know, I think especially when I was going through the program, like we just grinded every single day, we ran a ton and we were lifting like, I feel like we never felt good. Part of why we felt good at nationals is we finally tapered for the last two weeks of the year. Right. And I just don't think that's necessarily the recipe anymore for kids. You know, they've been wrestling year round, most kids for years now. Right. And so, Um, I think just having things be fun practices at the end of the week are more open-ended learning your own wrestling, trying to get better yourself, get your weight off. Um, You know, we front load kind of some of our workload and our technique type stuff. Um, So I think it more than anything has just been the structure of how we do things um, to keep things fresh and exciting. You know, there's we play pre-practice games every day. there's different groups of guys that are stupid things I make up. I love just competing and <laughs> everything um and then even you know, I think you got you know you're doing things right when after practice guys are just hanging around. I mean it's a half hour past. I know my wife's gonna be mad that I'm not home for supper yet, but there's 20 guys in the room just sitting around spending time together. Um, and so I think just making guys want to be there has been, something I just spent a lot of time thinking about. How do we do this? How do we, how do we make this an environment that guys just want to be around each other and, and work um, and not have to be miserable all the time? Making 141, I was miserable a lot. There weren't a lot of days that I enjoyed wrestling. Um, and so I think I evolved that even in my wrestling career later on, but trying to apply that to our program.
0: Yeah. And I was thinking that same thing, you know, as as we were kind of talking earlier about um, sort of the the adversity you went through wrestling 141 you mm-hmm. know uh, coming up short at the at the tournament um, but you're able to you said kind of use that to in your coaching style you know For and sure. I, I think that's a big that could be a big part especially that you're um, you know you're younger are you 33 now you yep, know
1: 33
0: so to be able to relate a little bit still to the athletes you know know what they're going through since it's still kind of fresh in in your mind and your body. So for sure. And we try to, you know,
1: the other thing about our location and our success is we've got tons of young alumni who give back, whether they're volunteering or coming through the room. And so trying to learn from or listen to those guys too. Again, I talked about like a Victor Glebe earlier. Like he's a sounding board for me, man. He just lived it. What what didn't make sense? And now, and you can't sometimes ask the athletes because they don't get it yet. They're in their own world, but he's a couple of years out. And you can ask him, but you don't always trust the answer, right? Where he's a couple of years out and can see, oh, that's why we did that. That still doesn't make sense, but I get why at least now or whatever. And so I think tapping into those, you know, younger guys, because every year I am a a year further out, right? Like, um, so I think that's helpful. And then I think the other piece that's big having Coach Molsoff, he's just got so much wisdom and people experience, Um, you know, even in recruiting, like part of why the title swap helped is... Like a lot of times I'm kind of talking about the financials and some of that type of stuff. Well, having the head coach title really helps those conversations just because when we walk in a room together with people who don't know us, of course, the 60-year-old is the head coach, not the 33-year-old, right? Um, And so I think swapping those titles has helped with some of those types of conversations too, um, just because we both do, you know, work, use our strengths in those settings as well.
0: Yeah, that was actually something I thought of when you were, um, you know, that you are 33, your head coach, um, you know, when you walk into a recruit's house and they go, man, this guy's, he's a little young, you know, yeah. do you get that often? And how do you sort of combat that, that yeah, you're 33, but you've been doing this for 10 years now. Yeah.
1: Maybe at the beginning, but again, we build relationships, right? We don't have scholarships. So our recruiting process is extensive. Yeah. It starts early and I'm hundred percent confident we out hustle all the scholarship schools around us as far as how much time we put into it. Doesn't mean we always overcome that, right? Um, but that is what we do. We we build relationships, and so I think as you get to know us, just being honest with recruits. Again, I just try to be my be myself, right? That isn't for everybody. That's okay, right? Um, but I think when we when I tried at the beginning, maybe sometimes to be more mature, whatever you wanted to call it. P- that doesn't work either. You, so I feel like you got to be your genuine self and um, surround yourself with people maybe that have some of the strengths that maybe weren't yours, especially when I was younger. I, I didn't always give guys a lot of grace. I was hard on kids, right? I feel like I give a little more grace now, but Coach Molsoff's the king of that, right? And so I feel like I know that and having him there is so impactful for our program to give that positive reinforcement so awesome, often. And I think we both learned and come to the middle a little bit more where we have each other's strengths a little bit more and more, but I've just learned so much from him about getting the most out of people and trusting kids and making them believe in themselves too. Mm -hmm. I'm a little more of a realist. Coach Molsoff thinks we're going to have 40 national champs. I tell him, well, that's literally (laughs) not possible. Like we can't have 40. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. And so that that's about our conversations. If we were arguing in the court a lot, I would get very frustrated because we're usually arguing on a different playing field, you know, like,
0: Um, Before I let you go, a couple of things real quick, you, how do you take a step back, you know, uh, as much as the athletes, you know, can get drained and, and tired and, and whatever, it's a long season for them. It's also a long season for you. You know, how do you just sort of reset, take a step back, uh, you know, and recharge so that you're fresh for, for your athletes?
1: Yeah, good question. I think that was simpler you know, six seven years ago, when I didn't have a family, right? I feel like you you decompressed in ways that you did. You you know that you needed to. Now it's a little more challenging because you're uh, the constant balance of wanting to give everything I can to Augsburg Wrestling, but that isn't my primary goal. My primary goal is providing the best you know life I can for my three boys at home and my wife, right? Um, uh, but my wife is super supportive. And she understands that I'd go crazy if I just worked a normal job, I think she I wouldn't be happy, because I wouldn't be competing, I wouldn't be passionate about something. And so I think she understands the necessity of being part of something like that. And they're very part of this. And so I think it's merging the two things, you know, I love bringing my boys around the guys, um, you know, and the Charlie stalls, my got my little guys have wrestling singlets my mom made and they come run around i'm charlie stall i'm cooper willis i'm tyler kim right so those are their their role models and just spending time with with those guys the other piece is on our staff we just have a lot of guys that i i like you know justin coob we brought on in a much expanded role um you know all he does day in and day out with his augsburg wrestling with us um and he was the best man in my wedding you know he loves sports so i feel like I never got to see him. He was coaching a high school team. I was doing this. And now when we travel, we got him and coach Wolsoff and Gleva and Massey and Hexel and Benny Hoff and, you know, all these other guys that are my friends. So I think it helps merging those two pieces together that it doesn't have to always be serious all the time. Uh, But it's a hard balance. That's for sure. I mean, like most wrestling coaches would probably say, wrestling is my hobby. Wrestling is my passion and, and it's my family. Those two things are very merged. Um, and it helps that my wife was an athletic trainer for the program for a few years at, when I was a GA that she, she gets it right. And so I think she's not an athletic trainer or she's not in a college setting anymore. Um, but I feel like having a, a partner that supports it is such an important piece for anybody. If you want to be a college wrestling coach, man, you better get that cleared beforehand because it's not going to go well otherwise.
0: Yeah. The uh, last question I have for you, or maybe it's more of a statement, the battle of the Berg's yeah. um, it's on my wrestling bucket list. I think it should be on everyone's wrestling bucket list. Um, I feel like it's one of the premier duels, no matter what class um, you're, you're talking about our division, I should say. Um, just how do you keep that kind of going? I know you're not in the same conference. So how do you keep that, that duel alive? Yeah, I think, I think,
1: both programs understand that the the other one is what continues to elevate theirs right where I I want to beat them in the worst way right in the duel we haven't done that at in the Battle of the Bergs in quite some time unfortunately we've we've won some national dual championships and we've won some individual but that's a a really important component something I've looked really heavily is that feel like we've overtrained during those train cycles leading up to that, right? And I feel like getting ready for that. Um, I think it's super cool. Warburg, they're, they're such opposite schools from the standpoint, small town Waverly, Iowa, and downtown Minneapolis, right? I'm amazed. We go down there for a duel, and we go out to warm up on the mat, and they already have their student section there heckling and yelling all kinds of inappropriate things, like, what place can get their student section to come an hour before the duel starts? Like I can't get my JV guys to come near the white team, whatever we call them guys to come an hour early, right? But they can in Waverly. So I think it's something that both programs, you know, circle as something that is unique to our programs, right? I, I mean, ESPN did an article the other day. Or whatever, a few years ago now, on the top ten college wrestle, ro- wrestling robberies, we were number two behind Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. We were ahead of Iowa, Penn State. We were ahead of oh. those programs, right? Um, and anyone, you go anywhere, I don't even care if they don't know wrestling. You bring up Augsburg, people know Warburg. Or you bring up Warburg, people know Augsburg. It's certainly one of those things that's you know really big in the in the wrestling community. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's an important one. We're hosting this year. Friday, we moved it to a Friday. <laughs> Um, traditionally it's always been a Thursday. I tried to get them to go a Saturday or Sunday. We moved one day at least just because we have so many high school wrestling coaches. I'd like to just get more people in the, even in the stands at our place. Um, you know, generally we have Jason Bryant's been begging us to move it. He's got a conflict that night. He want the, who announces the Olympics and D ones and D threes. He does a lot of our play by play. He loves it. So I think it's definitely something that you got to check out at some point, you know, and I can get you an Augsburg wrestling shirt beforehand or something too, if you need one, you know,
0: for sure. It's just, it's great for the sport, man. It's great for the sport. Um, And especially D3 that, that, you know, it might get overlooked a little bit because, um, you know, it's not division one, but golly, you just, you just hit the nail on the head, man. It's, it's the second most, you know, ESPN did the article second rivalry in wrestling, behind Oklahoma Oklahoma State like it, it's the real deal and I can't wait to to get up there and watch it and um uh, last question I have for you I guess that just popped in my head um you know you you've had all this success over the years how do you just keep it going how do you keep the momentum year in and year out of keeping this high level of achievement and not get complacent
1: for sure you know and, and to me it's that's kind of my personality. I just wanted to continue to evolve. Like I'm a perfectionist. I focus so much more on we should have done this or that or whatever and adjusting and not dwelling on it. Right. But I like, I, I drive the people around me. I drive coach Molsoff and coach Kube and my wife crazy. I'm sure at times like, I went in the we went I went it was Minnesota deer opener last weekend and so I spent 8 hours in the stand two days in a row and man do I got a lot of ideas on Augsburg <laughs> wrestling and recruiting and schedule and individual game plans and whatever I I just think there's so much still there so many coaches are so focused on the wrestling training and, and that's to me that is not the biggest room for gain it's it's the recruiting and the family and that just, just whatever. There's so many pieces that go into it, raising money. You got to have money to have a high level wrestling program. Right. Um, And so I think five years from now, I'm going to be, I, I plan on being uh, embarrassed looking back. Why did I do that five years ago? Right. Um, And 10 years from now I plan, you know, I, so I just think we're just getting started. You know, we won nationals last year we're going to be better this year than last year. That doesn't mean everybody else isn't going to be as well. Right. Um, but we're going to be better this coming year. We're just getting started. We got an awesome group in the room right now. You know, we returned nine of our 10 starters from last year's national championship team, and I want them all to win it. Right. So I think those losses, those, that battle of the Bergs, that one motivates me. I lose sleep thinking about what we're going to do about that one. Right. Um, so I think that, that's just the, my personality of wanting to improve things and be better every single day. So we ain't getting complacent up here anytime soon, that's for sure.
0: Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Let's Talk Wrestling Podcast. Special thanks to my guest, Tony Valak, for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. Cover art created and designed by Kristen Gill. Please feel free to rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and my Facebook page to hear more of my content. And don't forget, check out my website at Let's Talk letstalkwrestlingpodcast.my.canva.site. And as always, be sure to tune in to hear the next guest of the Let's Talk Wrestling Podcast. Take care. See you next time.